Hi, welcome to the Theory of the Postdoc Evolution podcast. I'm Alice from the Postdoctoral Development Center at Queen's University, Belfast. This is episode 15, which corresponds to an interview of Dr. Paul McCaig by Niall Byrne, a postdoc in the School of Pharmacy, and they are talking about Paul's career as a senior lecturer in education. Enjoy! I'd like to welcome our guest and our interviewee for today, Dr. Paul McCaig. Paul is a senior lecturer in the School of Pharmacy here at Queen's University in Belfast. And Paul sits on the education academic path as opposed to the traditional teaching and research path that many people would be quite familiar with. Paul is a Queen's alumni, having graduated with a Master's from Queen's in 2008 and subsequently completing his PhD in clinical pharmacy. He's previously held a number of lectureships at institutions across the UK and Ireland, and hopefully we'll get into a little bit about the detail on those, and he returned to Queen's in 2015 to take up his current position. So thank you very much for joining us today, Paul. Welcome. I thought it would be good if we started by talking a little bit about your early academic background at Queen's. We know that you completed your degree here, but perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your PhD. Okay, thank you, Niall. So, yeah, um, firstly, thanks very much for um, for inviting me here this morning. It's a pleasure to, to talk to your um, participants, and thanks to you and Elise and the committee for um, organising. So, yeah, I suppose um, I was adding it up there as you were speaking. Um, the, it was way back in 17 years ago now when I started pharmacy. Um, so it's a four-year degree programme, and then I worked for a year as a trainee pharmacist. And then in 2009, I came back to undertake a PhD within the school, um, under the supervision of Professor Ryan Donnelly and Professor James McElnay. Um, the PhD itself was a mixed methods approach, so um, it used quantitative and qualitative methods, um, so surveys, questionnaires, and also in- involved aspects of laboratory work as well and focused on medicines use in children. So it was a nice follow-on from my pre-registration year, um, to, and it was an area that really interested me. And as many of you know, there is an inextricable link between teaching and research. Um, so the PhD has been really useful for me in terms of the subject area that I now teach and some of the findings from the PhD have been able to have embedded in, in my teaching. Um, and also from another angle, um, the PhD was useful from the point of view of the methodologies that I used in my, um, in my PhD. So like thinking about the, the questionnaire development um, and um, the, the undertaking the focus groups and interviews, I would still use them methods then um, as part of my scholarly activity um, and undertaking some of the research and pedagogical research on some of the teaching initiatives that we um, um, have rolled out within the school. Okay, so that's really interesting. So what you've done is you've taken some of the the research, some of the learning, some of the skills that you had from your from your PhD and from those experiences, and you've brought them right forward into what you're currently doing. I mean, taking that one step further, we know that you've held a number of different lecture positions here in the UK and in Ireland. Um, maybe could you get into a little bit of the detail on, on those and maybe what value you gained from those that have actually helped you uh, in your current position? Yeah, so I was, um, I said, was doing my PhD from 2009 to 2012, and I was at the stage where I was writing up in my third year, and an opportunity arose in uh, University College Cork. Um, now, it was only a short-term contract. It was 12 months, and it was to cover an academic who was taking a career break at that time. 
Um, so I've been asked um, by a friend here, Paul, would you be interested in this? And to be honest, it seemed like a very daunting prospect. Um, you know, I didn't know anybody in Cork, had no connections there. And at that time, it seemed like a very far away place. Now, Niall, I know you post docked in Sydney, so that probably pales into insignificance, and I'm not going to get much sympathy from you. But all those things, I suppose, at the time um, were going through my head in the decision whether or not to stay in Belfast or to move off uh, to somewhere else. But I think, I suppose, I knew in my heart it felt like the right thing to do. It was a really fantastic opportunity to undertake a role um, that I had always wanted. So. Off I went to Cork in 2012, packed up the golf and headed down the M1. Um, it's about a four-hour drive down to Cork. Um, and the role in Cork was um, quite unique in that it was split between the hospital and the university. So I was in the hospital two days per week um, and worked on a paediatric ward, um, which really complemented my PhD. So it was really nice then to be able to translate some of that and apply some of that then um, as part of patient care on, you know, at ward level. And part of my role in the hospital was also bringing pharmacy students who were studying pharmacy at UCC to the hospitals for their placement, supervising them when they were there and arranging suitable activities um, that they could undertake to enhance their learning. So I was two days a week in the hospital um, and then three days a week in the university. Now, that was a bit of a challenge, as you can imagine, um, you know, it was supposed to be two days in the hospital and three days in the university, but more often than not, it was at the, particularly at the start, it was two days in the hospital and maybe five days in the university, trying to get up to speed with all developing the teaching. And, and uh, I was still writing up my PhD at that stage, so I started my contract in Cork in September and submitted my PhD then in early October. So you can imagine what those first um, six weeks were like um, when, I, when I got to Cork. Uh, it was really busy, but, you know, it was a fantastic opportunity and I absolutely loved my time at Cork. Um, and then I worked there for two years and um, on, on short-term contracts and then a permanent contract came up in um, Liverpool John Muir's University. Um, so I applied for that. You know, there were opportunity, there was talk of opportunities coming up in UCC, but as mo as many of you will be, you know, aware and the, of the frustration around short-term contracts and, you know, most people just want to get a permanent role. So applied for the role in Liverpool John Muir's University and got it. And it was a very similar role to that of Cork, um, except it was full-time in the university. Um, so, yeah, they have really um, helped me along the way um, to get to where I am today, I guess. The other thing I've uh, continued to do since registering as a pharmacist is I've continued to practice as a pharmacist. So, you know, in, initially in hospital, but also then in community in community practice. And I would still undertake some locums in community as well. And that's really been an important aspect of my teaching. It's allowed me to ensure my teaching's up to date, contemporary, it reflects real life practice. Um, and, you know, students value hearing the anecdotes from real life um, whenever I'm teaching. Um, so that's a really important part, I guess, of, of my role in, and ensuring that, um, you know, everything's up to date and contemporary. I think that real-world experience is really valuable, especially when you can bring that into the teaching. And, I mean, maybe to develop that a little bit further, there'll be quite a few of us here as, as postdocs and even PhD students that'll be thinking about progressing towards teaching, towards lecturing. And I want to know, where did you gain most of your experience, or what did you think was the most valuable um, experience that you got? Was that through your PhD, or... You know, how did you develop those skills before taking up the lectureship that you did in Cork? 
Yeah, so I suppose the I gained it mainly through demonstrating, Niall. Um, yeah. I did a lot of demonstrating throughout my PhD, and, you know, there was a, a group of us did a PhD, at, our PhDs at the same time, and there was a number of students who, you know, kind of saw demonstrating as a bit of a burden or a waste of time, whereas I was the opposite. I always really enjoyed it, and always thought if, you know, an opportunity came up, I was I would have volunteered um, um, to, to do it. So I did substantial demonstrating throughout my three years. Um, and I think that really stood to me because then when the short-term contract came up, I had lots of experience across a range of modules, um, and that helped me then, um, you know, secure that initial position in Cork. And I also would have, you know, been, you know, volunteered for, you know, some of the outreach events that we take in the School of Pharmacy and open days and things like that. So I suppose I would encourage, you know, if, if people are thinking of a career in academia down the line, I would encourage you to... Um, seek out those opportunities and, and volunteer if, if there's opportunities for teaching. If there's no obvious ones, maybe speak to your PA or to the director of education in the school and, and see is there any opportunities for, for, for teaching just to get that experience. Another thing that Queen's um, offer at the moment, and um, I'm, I'm involved in this, is the QMA, the Queen's Merit Award, and some of you may be familiar with this, but this is now given um, professional recognition, I guess, to members of Queen's staff that are involved in teaching. Um, so you can apply for fellowship of the HEA, the Higher Education Academy, at associate level, fellowship level, senior fellowship level. Um, and I have mentored a number of postdocs um, who have applied, successfully applied for the associate fellowship level of that. So that's a good way if you are doing any teaching to maybe get that recognition. And it's, you know, a really nice thing to have in your CV um, if you are going forward and considering a career in academia. I think that's a really important point that you've touched on there, Paul, with the, the Queen's Merit Award um, as a way of, of recognising maybe some of the teaching um, that some of the PhD and postdocs, postdocs are doing within the university. Um, and also um, touching on the point of, of seeking out some of those roles that, that might exist within the university. I wanted to know a little bit about um, your reasons for coming back to Queen's. You mentioned there um, earlier that you had been um, offered a permanent position in Liverpool, but what attracted you back to, to the university and back to the School of Pharmacy? That's a good question, Niall. I was, I was actually asked this in my job interview um, for Queen's. Um, and at that stage during the interview, you know, I talked about how it was one of the highest ranked schools of pharmacy in the UK and, and so on, which it is. And of course, that was part of my thinking, but really it was personal reasons. You know, um, I loved my time in Liverpool, but I probably didn't see myself staying there long term. Um, I was back and forth around 12 times that year. Um, so I was trekking to the airport with my wheelie suitcase and go back and forth on the uneasy jet flights and relying on their schedules, etc. Started to wear me down a little bit. Um, and then the opportunity came up. And if I could have stayed in Liverpool for a few more years, I would have. But as you well know, these opportunities are few and far between. Um, so I was only in the job about seven months when the uh, job came up in Queen's. So I had quite a bit of thinking to do. And then I made the decision to apply. And here I am six years on. So I was away for three years in total, Nile, And it's probably the best thing I uh, could have done at the time. So I've not done only fond memories of both my time in Cork and in Liverpool. And I would regularly go back to those places now and catch up with old colleagues and friends and so on. So, yeah, um, to answer your question, it was probably mainly personal reasons to get back closer to home, closer to my uh, family and friends. Yeah, I can certainly understand those those motivations to, to come home, Paul. 
Now, you came back to your senior lecture in an education role um, that you currently have. I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about more about that. Now, many people will be very familiar, as I said at the start of this interview, of the teaching and research role, but less so of this um, education pathway. So perhaps tell us a little bit about the pathway and a little bit about your role. So, yeah, this is a relatively new pathway for um, academics um, and is quite distinct from the um, more traditional teaching and research or T&R contract, as sometimes it's called. So I guess if you look at my job holistically, it, can, it falls into three areas. And if you look at the job profiles and um, academic profiles, there's three categories. So the three categories would be teaching and learning, citizenship and scholarship, and I can talk about those um, if you want, Niall. Um, I suppose the teaching and learning is the main uh, part of my role. Um, so about 80% of my work is falls under that category of teaching and learning, uh, whereas people on teaching and research contracts obviously will still have teaching and learning, but uh, at a lower level um, because they obviously have to spend a significant amount of time on their research. So um, generally people on the education pathways will have around 80% of their time in teaching and learning. So I suppose the obvious um, aspect of that is teaching the undergraduate and postgraduate uh, taught courses, developing those materials, ensuring they're contemporary. More recently, obviously, over the last 13, 14 months, developing online content. Um, mainly, I teach in the pharmacy undergraduate program, but I'm also involved in other undergraduate programs, such as the medicine program and um, the pharmaceutical science programs that we have in the school um, as well. So, I suppose teaching is the obvious um, is the obvious thing you think of when we, when we say teaching and learning. But there are other components to it as well. So, pastoral support would be a role that I'm. Um, heavily involved in. I'm the senior personal tutor in the school, so I oversee um, a program of activity to support students when they start off on that transition from second to third level education. So most of the academic staff will act as a personal tutor. Um, I oversee the entire scheme and, um, you know, organise and plan, I suppose, what uh, the sh uh, what staff should be doing in terms of um, meeting with their students and uh, providing training to new staff who are maybe new to personal tutoring um, about the various mechanisms within the university that we can support students. And that's been particularly important in the past 12 months with the new first years as they have mainly been, um, you know, engaging with us online. And teaching and learning also includes things like um, um, supporting the student recruitment in line with the school and university targets. So I would go out to local schools for outreach events. Um, we're particularly focusing on schools in areas that are underrepresented at third level education in line with university um, priorities. Um, and another interesting thing I did in recent years was I spent a week in Malaysia, um, so um, out on um, to attract international students to Queens, to Belfast, um, and spent time in in um, Kuala Lumpur and in Penang, which was another really interesting aspect of my um, of of my role. Uh, we also work in, in enhancing the student experience, so looking at student feedback, whether that's through surveys, questionnaires, the National Student Survey, I sit in the Student Voice Committee, so taking feedback from students on practical ways that we can improve their experience and feeding that back to staff then on the on the course. And more recently then I've been appointed as a programme lead for the M Farm program, that's the undergraduate pharmacy program. Um, so that's a leadership role where I would work alongside the Director of Education and other staff to review the course, update the curriculum, ensure it's up to date and um, that it incorporates current research. 
Um, there's massive changes in the pharmacy profession. Um, you know, over the past year, there's been significant changes um, in terms of the direction that our course needs to go. And um, there's a large drive to embed prescribing skills in the undergraduate program. So that's an example of something that we're currently looking at and changing at the moment. In terms then of like the scholarship aspect that I talked about, that would be like service within the, the, the wider academic community. So I'm an external examiner at two UK schools of pharmacy. Um, so that's to ensure that and support them with their quality assurance processes for their academic standards. And um, so like reviewing their examination papers, reviewing student assessment, etc. It would also include representing um, the school and university committees. So um, I'm on the staff forum along with Elise um, and represent the school um, of pharmacy then on that. It's mentoring colleagues and students. Um, so for example, if they're applying for QMA, the associate fellow or fellowship level of the HEA, supporting colleagues through that and I also sit on the assessment panel for that as well. So there are examples that would fall into the citizenship category. And then the scholarship category would be things like pedagogic research. So that's educational research, looking at educational initiatives that we have introduced into the school, evaluating them through student feedback questionnaires and then disseminating that at, at, at education conferences and in educational journals. Um, for any pharmacists on the line, you, they'll be well aware, pharmacists, it's a professional requirement that they undertake CPD, continuing professional development. So they have to undertake 30 hours of education every year. So I would develop courses for registered pharmacists and deliver those, um, mainly in the south um, of Ireland, because I kind of got involved in that when I was in UCC and I've maintained the links with, um, with that organisation. But I've done some work with colleagues in the north as well in, in that particular field. And then, like, you know, just the usual peer reviewing for academic journals. Um, you know, I'm involved in one for clinical pharmacy and for um, educa pharmacy education. And I'm on a, on a committee then for um, a pharmacy education conference as well and on the steering group for that. So they're the types of activity that fall under scholarship. So really, I suppose the, the key um, or the, the majority of my work falls under the teaching and learning, but 80%, as I said, and then the other 20% then is the citizenship and scholarship aspects. I think that's been really useful, Paul, to, to really break that down. I certainly wasn't aware of how diverse the academic uh, pathway was, and I think many people listening will also be to really appreciate what you've done there to sort of um, develop out what that role looks like. Was this a role that you were always interested? Was the academic path something you were always interested and in, always directed yourself towards that? Or did you ever feel yourself wanting to go back towards uh, the more traditional teaching and, and research side of things? Yeah, well, whenever I was at school, I always wanted to be a teacher. So I think it's fair to say that that has stayed with there me. You um, <laughs> I, I did enjoy my PhD. Um, I enjoyed the research. I enjoyed undertaking it. But been completely honest, I prefer the teaching aspect, um, and that's just me, and I know lots of other people, you know, are the other way around, and they would much prefer to be in the lab and writing papers and writing grants and all of that, but for me, I would prefer to be in the classroom teaching and, and, and undertaking those other activities that I um, talked about, so yeah, it, for me, it was the, the, the sort of ideal career pathway. So there are more of these academic positions coming up uh, across the university. And I know you talked um, a lot about the specifics of, of the role and why you were particularly interested um, in this role. But maybe could you talk a little bit about what you find the most rewarding of, of your role? And again, on the other side of that, what's the most challenging? 
Mm-hmm. I think probably the most challenging um, thing, Niall, has been the last 13 months um, dealing with yeah. COVID. Um, so, you know, dealing with moving to the transition of remote working, but on moving to online teaching, moving to online exams and assessment and supporting the students through that um, journey. Now, the Director of Education um, did most of the hard work on that, but we all had our part to play and ensure that that all ran smoothly um, and that that we didn't lose any of the content or any of the quality and that we could ensure, you know, the robust academic standards. So if you recall back to last year, you know, we went into lockdown around St. Patrick's Day. The exams then were happening around the start of May. So we only had a matter, matter of weeks to make that transition. This year, you know, has been, you know, this preparing for the, the current assessment period that starts on Tuesday has been slightly easier because we've been able to learn from those experiences over um, the past 12 months. But look, I think the last 12 months has went relatively well, as well as can be expected given the circumstances. And hopefully the, those COVID days are um, behind us. Um, you know, it's been a real learning curve, but, you know, we're starting to see things open up again. The beer gardens are open now today. And um, hopefully we'll get back into an, uh, a sense of normality then in the next academic year. Um, but I think there will be aspects that we will keep online. Some things worked really well, but obviously, you know, some things just... Um, can't be replaced um, by moving them online. So uh, looking forward to getting back to some form of normality and face-to-face teaching um, in September. In terms of the most rewarding aspects, for me, it's graduation day. Um, so joining the students in the Whitlow Hall, uh, seeing them walk across the stage, shaking the BC's hand, um, and joining them in the quad afterwards with their strawberries and cream and Prosecco and whatever else they have to celebrate you know, their four years of hard-earned success um, at the School of Pharmacy. So thinking about those graduates and thinking about PhD graduates as they progress towards postdocs and they're looking towards these academic pathways, is there any one bit of advice that you would give them or is there any bit of advice that maybe you received yourself that you thought has been particularly useful um, in your own career development and your own career progression? Yeah, I remember whenever I was making that decision in 2012 when I was writing up my PhD, I was in a... And it happened by accident. I was making a coffee in the tea room one day and a member of staff who's no longer in the school, but they were on school management at the time. Um, and I was just chatting to them and telling them, um, you know, it wasn't a formal conversation around, you know, I want your advice or anything like that. I was just telling them what had happened and what I was thinking about. Um, and they advised me to head off, spread my wings, develop and come back then when an opportunity arose, if I wanted to. You know, they said you might go away and not want to come back. So <laughs> I pushed myself out of my comfort zone um, at that stage. And for me, pushing myself out of the comfort zone was moving out of the 30 mile hour speed limit zone from Belfast and going somewhere else. And that's the best thing I've, I've done. You know, it's at the best time in Cork and Liverpool from a career point of view, but also personally as well. I still go back to those places, as I've mentioned. Um, and sure enough, then a, a position did come up in, in Belfast a few years later after that, three years later. And I was in a much better position then to apply for, for that role, given the experience that I had accrued in both Liverpool and um, in Cork. Yeah. So I suppose I suppose to what if, what would the advice be is don't be afraid to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, you know I know familiarity and um, routine provides us kind of all with a, a comfort blanket, but you know sometimes pushing yourself beyond that it opens up new challenges, but also new opportunities. And for me, I met so many new people, built up a network of you know people that I know and work with now in a in a professional capacity um, and it's really helped me get on the ladder to an academic career. 
I think you're absolutely right. I think pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone can be a, a really valuable experience. And I know those opportunities will present themselves to everybody, but if there is a chance to do that, um, I think it's a, it's a really valuable experience. Paul, I want to thank you very much again for taking the time to, to speak with us and to answer some of those questions. I think we've got a, a real great insight into your academic route and career progression, and particularly an insight into the um, education academic pathway that I certainly wasn't very familiar with uh, before starting the, this conversation today. So thank you very much once again. No problem, Niall, and thanks to you and the committee for organising the event. Um, it was nice to speak to you all this morning. I don't know you, but I really enjoyed Paul's extensive description of the Education Academic Pathways and also his invitation to move out of your comfort zone. Definitely some good advice here. For more careers and journeys, visit the podcast website at go.qub.se.uk slash podcastpdc and listen to other episodes. 